What's up, everyone? Welcome back to school. But don't worry, everything is cool. I'm your host, Jalissa, and of course, we have a special guest today. We got Ricky Mack. Say hi. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, we have the boys, Steve and Brandon. Say what's up, you guys. What's What's up? So, how y'all doing today? Um, We're doing pretty good, but we have a special announcement. We got our first patron. Uh, Yeah. yeah. And and this person, they subscribe to the highest tier, which means not only do they get a shout out, not only do they get exclusive content, but they get a hand on the wall. Uh, I don't really know the proper way to pronounce your name. I'm going to say Yol. You can comment. Go off in the comments and say I'm going to say Yoel. Just like slip that in there. Slip that in there. But here's your hand. Uh, It's going to go right on the wall right Right. now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like a, you know when a kid draws a really good drawing it's, like, it's gonna go right here right, like, on, right the, on the fridge yeah. it's gonna so, go like uh, that thank you for subscribing uh to our patreon and if anybody else wants a hand on the wall you know what you gotta do but links uh, in our bio uh links in the description too yeah um but anyways uh, we're here joined again by ricky ricky mac uh, uh thanks for joining us ricky thank you guys for having us yeah of course um Ricky of the Un Poquito podcast, by the way, um, which is an amazing podcast. I I think you guys should check it out because I think if you like our podcast, you're really going to love their podcast. Yeah, super funny. Uh, Ricky, I know you do comedy, so I wanted to ask you, like, so how did you get into the comedy scene? Like, when was the point where you felt like this is something I want to do with my career? Oh, yeah. Um, Saying career for me, that's a big deal. Um, (laughs) 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 Uh, I was... uh, I'll build some context. Yeah, of course. Like, you know how, like, in high school when everybody's into, like, music Mm -hmm. and whatever else they're into? Yeah. (laughs) I only kind of cared about, like, video games and comedy. Oh, wow. And then so people would ask me about music. And I listened to music. I like music. But I was like, but also comedy. Mm -hmm. Like, but no no one really cared. Mm -hmm. And, like, I care. I would watch all of it, good and bad, like, on Comedy Central. Every, I remember people's jokes from, like, 20 years ago. Like, comedians' (laughs) jokes. And eventually, I had a girlfriend after high school. She's like, like, no fear. Like, what would you want to do? And I was like, oh, I think, like, eventually, maybe comedy. And she didn't make fun of me. <laughs> she, no, I think people people could use that. And I was, like, really scared. Like, yeah. it felt like I was, like, admitting a big secret. And, like, at 24, I think, is when I started going to oh, open wow. mics. Okay. I had to go to therapy first to admit it. And then I <laughs> wait, cried wait, a little wait. bit. And then I was like, oh, I'll wow. go do comedy now. Wait, really? That's yeah. a real story? Yeah. Well, real. Why, why did it bring that much strife between you? Like inside um, of you? Well, I think it's just like immigrant parent yeah. stuff. Like, okay. I don't think they, like, my family ever told me I can't do these things. But like to believe you get to choose what you, to choose like a thing that just seems really selfish when like there's expectations for you to help your family is like, uh, you kind of got to go to therapy at that age, at least back then. Cause I'm 34 right now, like 10 years ago, mm-hmm. no one was going to therapy. Like not no one, but like mm-hmm. I was the first one in my family to go to therapy mm-hmm. and make it cool. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so how was that initial phase? Like w- did your parents like, cause I know a lot of people, at least online uh, are like, Oh, when I first went to therapy, my immigrant parents, kind of were like, oh, like they, they thought there was something wrong with me and I had to explain to them that no, like if anything, going to therapy is something everybody should do. 
How was that conversation with your parents? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really a conversation for a while. It was just something I was doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd go to work, uh, that job I mentioned that I stayed at for, like, 13 years, way too long. Mm-hmm. And, like, <laughs> I would go to work, then go to therapy on Wednesdays, and come home with, like, red eyes and really tired, and I would pass out like I was on... It just looked like I was on drugs. Mm-hmm. Like, I just have red eyes, and I would just sleep because mm-hmm. I was, like, crying too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like... So at, fir- at first it was kind of like hushed tones, like, oh, did you hear, like, Ricky's talking about his feelings out loud, you know? like. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So, so yeah, so I think I just, I rationally now processing a lot of that stuff, I think I learned from my family because they were illegal is that to draw any attention to yourself was a bad thing. Mm. And then to go choose something where you draw the most attention to yourself is inherently scary mm. and dangerous. So do you, would you say comedy now when you do stand up, it's like therapeutic in a way itself because you're in a way f- like fighting that mentality? Yeah, there's still part of me that I'm like that's feeling something right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't consciously think about it now because I've been doing it for so long. Mm-hmm. Um but I I eventually realized like oh this is something I had this is a personal fight to to get better I have to be vulnerable like at anything like mm-hmm. because I had to uh, like I just had to hide everything like mm-hmm. don't tell anyone anything mm-hmm. even though like after a while they, my parents got my mom got like Reagan amnesty and like that fear is still like everything can be taken away. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, as a kid, I didn't know, but as you get older, you're like, ah, I, I understand all their reasoning now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. When you were younger though, did you have some sort of like, I guess resentment is a little too strong of a word, but did you have some push and pull with them? Like, did you not understand fully like why they, they were kind of maybe uh, being a little close minded when it came to certain topics like that? Or were you always kind of very understanding that I know my parents are probably thinking a certain way because of circumstance of what they've seen? Like you said, they were uh, illegal immigrants, right? Yeah. So obviously, like, did you always understand that? Or was that something new that you learned when you got older? That's something I, I, the context grew as I got older. Mm. Because, like, the problem with, like, my family story is, like, yeah, my parents were illegal. My, my dad passed away when we were really young. And then we were left with my mom. And then we have like a whole sorted, I'm, I'm okay. We're talking about it, but like a whole sorted history. Like my mom was taking care of us and there's 10 of us. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's like, I guess eventually I just keep talking about this openly, but, uh, mm-hmm. there's 10 of us. I'm number eight. I joke about it. Um, and then she lost custody of us. Family friends took us in. My uncle took us in. And eventually like that story leads to my mom gaining custody of us back as we get older. So it's like all that illegal immigration shit. Sorry if I'm cousin. Uh, no, it's completely fine. Yeah, you all that illegal cuss, immigration yeah. shit is like there's so many layers to go through before you're like, oh yeah, they were afraid of losing everything, but you still got to deal with like losing parents, like social services, mm-hmm. and like the school system and things like that, and you're like. Oh, eventually you're like, you get to the answers of like, oh, this was because of this. This was because of that. 
And that's why you don't answer the door when the census comes. Mm. (laughs) That's crazy. It kind of reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you've heard this. They say that a lot of people who get into the comedy scene, who become comics, um, a lot of them have kind of like suffered through some sort of thing in their past. And I wonder, as you, somebody who I'm sure you've been around a lot of other comics, because you don't have to speak for yourself, obviously. Yeah. But uh, would you say that's something that's true when you go into the scene? I, I, I think that's not, not true. I think there's <laughs> there's some normal healthy people like there's some people that don't have like huge traumas. Yeah. Um, but I think it makes, I think it drives someone to de- develop a defense mechanism to just try to be funny about everything and mm. and like make it make it light. Like if you just deal with heavy stuff, you're gonna some people make light of it and mm-hmm. it kind of pushes you into that realm. You know. Yeah, I totally get that. Um, one of the questions I also wanted to ask you, because it kind of goes in line with this idea of like older versus younger generation. So you said you're 34, right? Yeah, I'm 34. Not to like expose you. Or yeah, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think 30 is pretty young. I think even 60 is young. Yeah. I feel like you're. you're, you're <laughs> I'm making it worse. <laughs> <laughs> <Backpedaling right now. laughs> bye, 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 bye. But I wanted to ask you, because like I remember uh, me and my sister were watching uh, Full House, funny enough. And uh, Danny Tanner, he's in that thing in the show. He's like in his 30s. And he's talking about when he was a young teenager, uh, like, oh, like every all the older generation would like bag on us young kids. And he's like, I never want to get old and be like that. And I'm like, that's mind blowing to me because at the time that show's being filmed like in the 90s and yeah. now it's 2023. And like, I feel like that's something that still goes on. And I, I wanted to ask you, like, how does it feel? going from being the younger generation where like you're pushing for new ideas in the Latino community of like therapy and talking about your feelings to now being part of the older generation where like us, we, we it's not like that we see you guys as bad guys or anything, <laughs> but it's obviously like the old generation is always the one that is telling us like, oh, you guys shouldn't be talking about these ideas, like, or some of these concepts don't exist. Like uh, it's kind of bad. How does it feel to kind of like uh, balance that with like, what you personally believe. Yeah. Um, partly cause it can clash with doing comedy mm-hmm. depending on how you do it. Um, I, I am like worried I could become that older person. That's just like, get over it, suck mm-hmm. it up. You guys have it easy, you know, mm-hmm. but it's also like, I've been there. Like you said, like just going to therapy was a huge deal 10 years ago to me. Mm-hmm. Now who doesn't, who hasn't tried it? You know? <laughs> um, wow. It's, okay. it's like weed. <laughs> yeah. It's like weed. All right. It's legal now. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not, it's not cool. You mm-hmm. know, it's not scary. Yeah. Well, it's, it's Everyone scary. has a therapist now. Yeah. 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 Everyone has a dealer now. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they're both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I do worry about that. I also don't want to lie and pretend I get everything, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I also am like make an effort to learn where people, I think, I think that's a good thing about me. And for my comedy is like, I still want to know why people believe what they believe, what their motivations are and why they're fighting for what they're fighting for. Clearly it comes from something. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of these, like some of these older people, like say in our community will be like, uh, this didn't exist before. You're just making stuff up. You're just trying to be a victim. And it's like, yeah, but I hear you. I hear the victim inside of you. Like, I think you're really sensitive because you can't let people have things that you didn't have. Mm-hmm. 
and like they're like i got spanked and i turned out fine i was like yeah but you're angry all over the internet like clearly mm-hmm. that made you angry mm-hmm. and and it's like yeah maybe it wasn't the worst thing but like there's studies that show that like you get hit at all as a kid by the person that's supposed to protect you it kind of dysregulates your your feelings and your mm. con- ability to control your anger as you get older yeah. totally so, yeah. I, maybe I've, I derailed a little bit, but no. yeah. I think that ties back to like you want to invalidate these younger people's beliefs and truths because your truth is painful, mm-hmm. even if you don't want to admit it. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that because it's kind of like that idea of I went through a bad time, so I feel like the next people should also go through that bad time, right? Yeah. Um, it, it it's weird because it, you kind of see it in all aspects, even like economically. You see a lot of people being like, "Well, I mean, like I was, I, would, I didn't have free health care, so why should the next generation?" Oh yeah, have totally. Yeah. With uh, I, I saw that especially with um when they forgave some student loans. We're like, "Oh, I mean, I took out. I mean, I'm still paying off my debt. Yeah. Why shouldn't Why shouldn't everybody? Else? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Stuff like that." So I totally get that. I think that's a a, a great point you made. Um, but yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it's a lot of like the just the older generation being a little resentful of like how kind of we have it in a way um but i think it's interesting how you talk about it because i'm kind of like i feel like i i sort of saw that with like like i guess older like people and all that stuff and like how you talked about um that like the way people also perceive you right like your parents being like you shouldn't put yourself in a place where people can kind of like judge you right um, cause I remember hearing that a lot from my mom and like, she's like, Oh, what are like, what's, que va decir la gente? like, mm-hmm. what, what are people going to say about you if you're doing all this and this? Mm-hmm. Um, but you can see now that like the older we got, the more she kind of like, you know, in, in, a, in an interesting way, she kind of like started being a lot more like chill about everything. Cause I think when we were younger, she was for sure like that. At least with me, I remember she would always like tell me like, oh, what are people going to say about you if, like, you do this and blah, blah, or, like, all that stuff. But I think the older we got now, she's kind of like, you know, they're adults now. They're, they can kind of think for their own kind of thing. I um, think it's definitely, like, a an, an effort of kind of protection. I mm-hmm. think she probably thinks that way because it's, like, um, obviously we're her little baby birds. Yeah, yeah. And it's, like, you know, when you – when I, I me and Brandon talk about all the time, and, and we kind of – I don't know if we've mentioned this on the show before – but I think it's definitely braver to be vulnerable than to kind of close off, especially on the Internet. I think it's a lot braver to be that guy, to be like, this is how I feel, rather than be somebody who's like, oh, nothing bothers me. Like, mm-hmm. people can joke about anything and, like, people shouldn't be upset. I think it's easier to do that, and it's a lot harder to actually say authentically how you feel because when you're vulnerable, you know, your shield is down. And so when, let's say you talk about something like, oh, when I grew up, like, I always had problems like uh you know just dealing with my self-esteem people will look at that and be like haha like that's on you like they'll laugh at you and they'll point you out and that's so difficult you know but then you know you turn that around and if you were just like oh yeah i've always been confident i've always loved who i was you know that's like that's not that's obviously something that people aren't gonna really like then comment on and when their comments aren't gonna hurt you because it's not the same type of like connection you know it's not it's not genuinely somebody who you are and I think our mom probably, like, growing up saw that and was like, you know, like, the best way to, to kind of shield yourself and help yourself out is to never really let people know how you actually feel, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but moving on a little bit, moving on to a different kind of topic, I wanted to talk about you uh, with this idea of, like, identity 
Because yeah. I think it's it's really interesting with you because I talked about in the previous podcast about how, um, like, just colorism, like, in, our, in like, our uh, culture. And for you, I think it's really interesting because you mentioned you have illegal uh, immigrant parents. Yeah. And I th- would you consider yourself a white-passing uh, Mexican? Yeah. Um, this is also something that, like, I had to, like, wrap my head around mm-hmm. as I got older. Because mm-hmm. um, my family doesn't, didn't talk about color mm-hmm. like we're just more well we're from guadalajara outside of guadalajara mm-hmm. and it's like a lot of weddles live over there mm-hmm. like weddle latinos mexicans yeah. and it's like as am i white passing definitely but also people say like it's also like heavily contextual at times mm-hmm. like i remember i had this old coworker who was german and i was like i tried to like come out to him like i think i'm just kind of like a white guy and he's like no you're not like to me, you're just me- like, like mm-hmm. he kind of said it jokingly, but he's like, you're Mexican. Like to him, where they invented racism, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> like where he's not really German, but his ancestry is German. He's yeah. like, you're Mexican, and I'm like, like in a way, like thank you, but also like, <laughs> in a way, like this is interesting, mm-hmm. yeah. Because yes, I'm pretty white passing. Some people just think I'm Middle Eastern. Which is a debate there about like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are you brown in the Middle East? It depends, right? Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, I will say yeah, and it's something I had to like wrap my head around because when I was growing up, like, I didn't not see color, but we didn't really talk about it like that. Mm-hmm. And like, all my friends were Mexican, and I tried to be cholo and to fit in and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I was like a little Miklo, you know. <laughs> Which is like a really? blood in, blood out episode, like uh-huh. uh, until middle school. I didn't keep it. Keep okay, it okay. <laughs> <laughs> I tried I to thinking, wear the flannel, you know. Yeah, the shaved head and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Like the fade. And, <laughs> uh, and uh, so, yeah, I'm white passing, and it's something I had to, like wrap, wrap my head around because I grew up in, I grew up in Monrovia, which mm. had Latinos, which had black people, but it was very much a white city. Yeah, it's Monrovia, like Monroe, like the president, and all the teachers, most of the teachers, most of the administrators, most of the authorities in the in the city is just white people. Mm-hmm. And then I would like interact with their kids, and some of them would be my friends, and some of them are still my friends to this day. But then they would tell me what their parents would say about like Mexicans and illegals and stuff, and it's like, oh, like, but your dad hates my family. Mm-hmm. It's like maybe it's maybe they hate us less because we're not as brown, but everything you just told me, I was just trying to play a video game with you. Like your dad hates me, or my family, oh. and it's like always stayed with me. Yeah, like and it's like affected some friendships that I've had. Like I haven't told them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't told them. Yeah, but it's course. like I think because I'm white passing that knowledge is very easily passed to me. And they're like, I don't know, deal with it. Mm. Cause they probably wouldn't say it to you. Mm. Right. Yeah. And it's like, so in some ways I got like dirty knowledge 
because of it, right? Yeah. And it's like, but it's it's affected me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm white passing. Yeah, because I, I I I brought it up because when I talked about colorism, I I was reading like a lot of the comments, and one thing that I found extremely interesting and I thought needed like a spotlight is that there is another side to the story. Of that there's a lot of white passing like Mexicans who they I was reading their stories and they felt like they they didn't fully feel like they could identify as like a Mexican and, and could like feel they ever felt like they were accepted in the Latino community because they weren't brown enough. And I was wondering, like, if you've ever felt that sort of way, too. Yeah, I still kind of feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot easier to like own that and like talk to you guys about that, mm-hmm. because like just hearing conversations that you guys have had of like even though you have more indigenous features, you're always still fighting that battle of like, am I enough? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I'm more wettle. I need to own it and not be delusional about it and not disregard my privileges. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, oh, but I'm still kind of fighting a battle that you're fighting. Mm-hmm. It's different. But that feeling of like still being shoved out yeah. is the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I totally. Th- it, I think it's because a lot of uh, like Mexican Americans and a lot of people in the culture are. It, the whole culture is basically based on like mestizo, like mm-hmm. mixed. Like what everybody who's really from like uh, Mexican American culture is like a mixed baby, and obviously some of us, like me and my sister, have more indigenous features than others. Like all the way to the spectrum of like Brandon, who's like a, a mixed, a mixed, mixed baby, you know? <laughs> um, and I think it continues to push this kind of like identity crisis, which is so weird because I never really realized a lot of people kind of live in the denial of it. They mm-hmm. kind of are like, oh no, all Mexicans, we're all the same. We yeah. all suffer the same stripes mm-hmm. and, and do it. And I agree, we do suffer. We share a lot of stripes, but I think we all are fighting like individual battles, yeah. which weirdly enough sometimes kind of pits each other against each yeah. other. Mm-hmm. You know, we that's why we trip each other up. Yeah. Because, you know, like, uh, I'm thinking of, Does do you know who Beso Pluma is? I'm, I've become aware of Beso yeah, Pluma. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, I, I, some people were bringing up about how he's a very white passing uh, Mexican because uh, he's obviously like he looks very like if you change his clothes and put him like in a suit I guess and got rid of the mullet and he'd be he'd look like a white guy right um, and people are talking about how like it's sad that you don't see somebody who's like darker skin and indigenous features in the same realm like blowing up like that um, and it, it kind of shows you that like it's cool because he's making a lot of progress for Mexicans in this like mainstream world of music. And then on the other side of it is that it's just sad that it's still like a colorist issue of yeah. like, he's a very light skin, like non-indigenous looking man, you know? And some people are like, no, but it's still like, it's good for us. You know, we're, we're, we're really like, yeah. like representing, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know. It's like a lot of steps forward, but still not like, it's still like at least one step back yeah. for me. But I, I guess that's yeah. my side of things, you know. I do think that it's important to uh, highlight, like, because uh, I, I, when I was reading the comments, right, I thought it was really uh, important to kind of see that perspective of, like, I can imagine, yeah, I guess being born and you're, you identify a lot with your Mexican community, you're not accepted. You know, that's the whole ch- term Chicano comes from, right? Yeah. About being, like, coming to the States and feeling like you don't belong here. But then in Mexico, you know, you're, you're not a real Mexican either. Yeah, for sure. And so... I think we share that kind of like uh, internalized like I like strife, which made me want to like ask you because I'm like like I think we're I'm uh, I'm excited that we're both from like I have uh, immigrant parents too, and like I'm excited that we kind of share that strife, and I um, I think it's important that we also 
are always like aware of like where we kind of stand in terms of colorist yeah like issues yeah 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 you know what i mean yeah well because i feel like i remember um one of my friends and she always heard about it and she would talk to me about it because she's also very white passing mm -hmm. and she would tell me like a lot of people would just tell me that like i i understand that i have a lot of privilege because i am white passing but it's like but then they try to tell me that like i'm also not like mexican enough right and i feel like we equally both have that as like an indigenous looking person and as her as a white passing Mexican. Right. Um, and again, like how he said, I think it's just like, it causes us a lot more tension to kind of fight. And there is a lot of that going on. Right. Of like, all oh, your white passing, you have better privilege. And like, it's, it's all being talked about nowadays where it's like, you would see novellas and like mm -hmm. how it's always light skinned and like sometimes they're they're also European and like all that stuff and like you hear about it. Yeah, some of them um, are from France. Which yeah, is crazy. and yeah. like I I feel like like hearing I guess everyone's side. I always try to be open minded about what they yeah. think about, and I I guess it goes back to like we're each just fighting our own battles, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and it does suck sometimes when we can't like collectively come together and like kind of. The same thing with, like, Peso Puma, right? Like, he's making the Mexican music, like, a lot more aware, right? And all that mm -hmm. stuff. But it's, like, then there's the downside of him, like, being white passing. And, like, should we be celebrating that? Should we not be <laughs> celebrating it? And it's kind of, like, it, it, it's, it, it's in such a conflict. Because I remember it was the same thing with, like, when Bad Bunny... And yeah. I remember a lot of people were like, oh, like, he's very white passing. And, like, mm -hmm. compared to other reggaeton artists, like, they're not getting, like, their recognition as much as, like, he is and blah, blah, blah. So it's kind of like, I yeah. feel like there's always just that thing of, like, you can't satisfy everyone, right? Or, like, in a way, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I think at the same time, it's, like, I guess for those, they should be at least helping out other artists who aren't as like them. Or yeah. I don't know. I don't know well, I think it's it, it, it's a hard, it's a hard convo because mm. I think it's like, it, 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 for me, it's more, I, I like talking about it because I think it's important that we should become aware mm -hmm. because at least younger me was more kind of angry about it of like, man, like, like I hate that the, they, they share in the culture and they like uh, kind of want to like, in a way like take all of our battles for us but they don't even like they don't go through the same stripes that i do yeah. because obviously like i can't change who i am because mm -hmm. i remember the thing that would always get me is that sometimes i would wear certain things and people would be like oh you're trying to dress like a cholo you're trying to dress very chicano and i would always think in my head like you wouldn't be saying that if i was a white passing mexican you would just think i'm just wearing a clothes mm -hmm. but because like of my face and my facial features you think i look like a cholo because that's a stereotype yeah and like that's the type of stuff that would always anger me but it wasn't until recently that i was like no i think honestly even even for the white passing mexicans you guys will never fully be accepted by like i guess you could say like the the white side of the world i don't yeah. know what you could say yeah what you, there's right? some that will but there's definitely like and i don't want to like over over like sell the xenophobia effect mm -hmm. but that that is real Mm -hmm. And to them, that's that just to some of them, it's just racism and xenophobia are the same thing for them. Mm -hmm. And they still want to shove you out. Mm -hmm. And it's it's interesting because like I've experienced it a few times. But you can hear you can see the privilege in my statement of like I've experienced it a few times. And it's like. It's interesting because it's interesting to see people that look like either of us still try to like side in with whiteness. Yeah. And like, have been rejected by it, 
Mm-hmm. And still kind of like, but maybe if I just like dip my toe in. Like <laughs> <laughs> totally, yeah. And it's totally like this idea of, a, and I think it goes for a lot of minority groups of like, if you can uh, assimilate, right? It's, there's still that idea of, of colonization in there. If you can assimilate with the white side of like America or the white side of the world, then you will maybe like some success or some prosperity will rub off on you. And then maybe in the future, you'll be fully accepted and all these like, uh, all this generations of oppression will finally be a thing of the past, right? I think it's something that is more subconscious than conscious, though. I think times. I think most people don't really are consciously thinking that. Like, I don't think a lot of uh, minorities wake up and are like, oh, I can't wait. I wonder how I can be white today, you know? I think it's, <laughs> it's very subconscious, you know? It's like, because uh, I know for me especially, I mean, I've talked about it with a lot of other Mexican-American friends, and I know most people on the internet wouldn't admit this, but at least I feel like when you're younger, it's definitely more conscious, and it becomes subconscious when you get older. When you're younger, it's like, oh, you know, like, like, because uh, you get, at least I remember my sister talking about it. You get bagged on for listening to, like, Mexican music or Spanish music as, like, a little kid. Because, obviously, all the little kids, you know, you're, you don't know. You're you're ignorant. You're uneducated. You're, like, when things are different, you bag on those kids. So, obviously, when you grow up, you're like, oh, I'm a little bit, I feel a little ashamed of, like, representing my heritage. So, I want to put it away because I want to, like, I don't want to re- appear more white, right? Yeah. And when you then grow up with that, it becomes more subconscious of, like, no, like, you see, I'm not like these other Mexicans. Like, <laughs> I love like Trump. You know, yeah. like. Yeah, but just kind of to echo Ricky's point because I think it's it's an important aspect of this conversation is when he talks about how uh, or when he said uh, you have to you can't be delusional about it. You know what I mean? Like. I, I, Maybe I'm not the best person to articulate this point. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Just write it down, and then I'll. I'll but there, there's this TikTok that's been floating around that I thought was kind of interesting, uh, and this this I don't I, I I didn't save it. I don't really know the context. It's it's one of those street interviews, and it's mm-hmm. this this woman who looks just like a white woman, yeah. and she talks about how, like, oh, I'm Mexican. I've experienced gentrification, and then she goes on to say like, oh, I moved to New York though. You know what I mean? Kind of missing the point that she's mm-hmm. not oh, only white oh, passing, I've seen it, I've seen but it. she's also a gentrifier. And I've seen, and you know, I don't know the context to yeah. that to that TikTok. I mean, it could be like a setup. It could, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because a lot yeah, of TikToks yeah. do that. But I'm just saying that to echo the point of like, um, I think there are there are people uh, who are white passing, uh, and there are people who are just white. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and I think maybe that's part of the awkwardness is because I feel like. Um, like with Mexicans, right? Or the the state of Mexican uh, and Mexico, that's a nationality, you know? Yeah. Um, and you, there's there's Asian people who are Mexican. Yeah. There's black people who are Mexican. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think when there's white people who are just white people mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, I'm Mexican, you know what I mean? It's kind of hard because I feel like sometimes there's that attempt of trying to be like, I am, I'm oppressed as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and it's an important aspect of it because... Um, I don't know. I think it detracts from people who are like, like Ricky, right? His mm-hmm. parents um, were undocumented, right? Uh, his mom lost custody of them. Mm-hmm. He's he's experienced real effects mm-hmm. um, of his cultural background. You know what I mean? But then you get to people who don't live in Mexico, yeah. who've never been to Mexico, who have family who've been here for like three generations. Yeah. And yeah, I, my, my great-great-grandpa was Mexican. You know what, <laughs> what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, uh, so I think, yeah. Well, it's because it's like two different sides, right? It's like you hear the side from like people who are directly from Mexico and then people who are from here. 
And the people who are from here also sometimes have a stereotype of what a Mexican looks like. Yeah, right? that's true. Yeah. And mm. like usually a Mexican is brown, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when someone who's white passing is like, oh, I'm Mexican, they're like, you're not Mexican. You don't look Mexican. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but it's kind of like, what does Mexican look like? No, that's, that's right? true. But it's like sure. Mexico is very diverse. Like, mm-hmm. And I think that's what people don't understand. Like, I think people think that uh, every Mexican is just brown. Like, yeah. And that's just the standard. Like, they're just brown. But I think people don't understand that Mexico is also as diverse as the United States. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. Like, how you said, there's a lot of Asian Mexicans. There's there's a Black lot of, like, Mexicans. Afro-Latinos, right? Like, there's, there's a whole diversity there that people, I guess, are a little blinded by, mm-hmm. in a way. Or, like, don't see it either. Because um, I, I remember hearing about that and, like, people being, like, if you go to New York, right, you see a lot of people who are from Puebla and, like, for a good amount of them, like, they are, because Puebla is very, is a very still, like, indigenous country or, like, city. Um, so, like, you go there and you see a lot of people, right, that that, that look like Mexicans would look, right? <laughs> so it's kind of like, I feel like people have an image of, like, what Mexicans look like. So when someone, yeah, who's, like, white passing and they're like, I'm Mexican, and you're like... No, yeah, for no, sure. I don't think so. <laughs> I guess I guess, I guess it, um, my perspective of it is, like, I think what Ricky said is important. You have to acknowledge the privileges you have, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you're white passing or maybe you're just white, yeah. you know what I mean? You have to acknowledge <laughs> that, like, there's a lot of it privileges, you know? Like how Ricky said, like, mm-hmm. uh, even just hearing the the casual racism that somebody wouldn't say to Steve yeah. or stuff like that, you know what I mean? But I think there's probably that knee-jerk reaction of, like... Uh, well, I face bad stuff too. Why isn't it? They, they probably feel like, oh, you're saying my, my experiences aren't yeah. as valid as yours. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but then also the other side, right, where I feel like variant uh, Mexicans or Latinos or, you know, any anyone who has, yeah. who struggles and has, um, you know, very indigenous looking features, I can definitely see why they feel sometimes a little insulted. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, bro, like you don't have no idea how good you have it. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. um, my dad talks about this all the time, right? My dad will talk to me about, like, the privileges I have that he didn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad will tell me all the time, uh, when he was young and he was working, he names all the times that he lost a job to the boss's son, and quite literally the boss's son, mm-hmm. where he, he felt like he worked the hardest, he was the most qualified to the job, he did everything he did to deserve that job. But then they'd be like, hey, sorry, man, like, we gotta let you go, because boss's son wants it and he's a white guy obviously they wouldn't say like oh you know he's a white guy you know but uh, the context is implied i don't have that you know what i mean i'm not gonna ever experience that of like hey man take a hike you know the this white guy wants the job you know um so i definitely could see people who experience that like people like you guys maybe the police harassed maybe you missed out on opportunities maybe you know a lot of stuff like that where i could definitely see the the knee-jerk reaction Mm -hmm. of that of like no like you guys just don't get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I can kind of see both sides, but mm-hmm. I think that just further solidifies the point is that you, it's heavily contextualized yeah. and you need to, I guess you just need to understand the context to, to the, this kind of thing. Cause it is very sensitive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- that's why it's important too. Cause I also don't want to deny like white passing Mexicans identity. Yeah. Like, Cause also I remember I, I read, uh, and this is cool. There's, there's this TikToker. I, I think her name's vanilla salt. Um, shout out to her. I, don't, I hope she's not problematic or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not endorsing anybody. Like that's weird. But she she tagged us in like a couple of videos that like uh, were really like uh, eye opening and very educational, just about like indigenous identity. And one of the things that she brought up was that like 
the thing that sucks is that there is indigenous Mexicans who just because of like uh you know just the way biology is they came out lighter yeah, like they just came out lighter but they yeah yeah phenotype yeah. yeah yeah and so they came out lighter they still look the same but they ju- they're just lighter and obviously like to be like oh you know like you guys aren't going to suffer the the same way that I do is kind of taken away from like the strifes that they feel and it doesn't take it doesn't make them any less of an indigenous descent person mm-hmm. you know and I mean I've met I've met People who live in LA who are like fourth, fifth, sixth generation Chicanos, and they talk about how like yeah, I don't speak Spanish, but like I obviously love like my culture, and so I really much think it's also important to kind of highlight that side of like the story because you know their identity as as important as it is as my identity to my indigenous descent is, you know, and yeah. I think it's important that we're just all made aware, like you said, just like. Just be aware of like what what we each kind of gain and lose from like this conversation of identity. Yeah. Um. But kind of moving it on before I pass the baton to you guys, <laughs> my last question. Well, not my last question, but the, the my key highlight that I wanted to ask you before we move on, uh, is I wanted to talk to you because I know that you're not in a, a monogamous relationship, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is it's that pretty, okay? I mean, I'm posting about it now. So okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't, I don't no, know. No, I didn't like no, expose it's like, you or it's anything. Like, uh, you're not. It's okay. just, uh, it's not new, that new, but me posting about it is new. Uh, but I'm okay uh, with talking about okay, it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. 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 Yeah. Well, cause I'm just really interested because we've talked about monogamy in the, in the past. And I wanted to ask like, so have you always kind of like geared to our, it's Paula. Educate me for a second. It's so called polygamous? Like, um, yeah, like I'll do like a quick overview. Okay. Uh, polyamory is like you intend to have real, real like last. It varies. I'll just cut and dry. <laughs> polyamory is like you intend to love the people that you, you are partnering or dating, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that could mean you don't end up dating them long term. Maybe you do. Whatever you guys agree to. Mm-hmm. Non-monogamous is more of like, hey, I want to go date around. Maybe that means I don't get to fall in love with them. It gets like, it gets like really in the weeds of like how you define everything. Mm-hmm. But non-monogamy is kind of like, oh, we get to date other people. However, we choose to like set boundaries is how we choose to set boundaries. But it's mm-hmm. also people do that in monogamy too. Like, what degree of? It's interesting once you start like parsing through all this. Like, even in monogamy, like what degree of a friendship? Say you're in a hetero relationship. Yeah. What degree of a friendship are you allowed to have with the opposite sex? Because those answers vary from relationship yeah, to relationship, totally. right? So it's like when I start to say all this stuff, it sounds like really like overcomplicated and nitpicky. Mm-hmm. But when you start to enter into that stuff, and I'm still like, I'm not going to be like, I'm a professional. I'm still <laughs> learning, and we we still yeah. talk about this mm-hmm. stuff, but you start to realize like, oh, you're supposed to negotiate relationships with people and not assume everyone's on the same page to begin with. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, once you enter into anything alternative, this is like the, the most queer straight people can be is like (laughs) non monogamy because then you are forced to like rethink what you're, there's no, what you're supposed to be doing anymore. You have to like consciously say what you want and set boundaries and be vulnerable for Mm -hmm. real. So it's interesting. I don't know. So there's monogamous, non-monogamous, and polyamorous. And polyamorous. Yeah. Right. So I guess like there's all these other like details yeah, you yeah, can okay. into. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when when did you first like I guess make that? Uh, were you monogamous before when you were younger? Absolutely. Then, yeah. yeah. When like, did it? It you make that like change? Was that very recently? 
yeah, it's it's in this relationship that that became a thing. Um, I think like we could talk about it. It all ties into like why I thought I couldn't do this. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's choked I up. Thought, yeah, <laughs> I totally thought you were about to like break down. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Love just makes me gassy. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it like I think like figuring this stuff out. Like I think I kind of wanted this from the beat since when I was younger. But it sounds crazy and delusional. I grew up really Catholic. I even went back to church at like 18. Crazy. Like I was trying to find structure, you know. And and it's like, so I went back to church. There is one way to do things. I left the church. So there's still these, like, remnants of, like, whatever I want is not valid. Mm. And it's hard to get to a point of, like, even imagining people would be, that you date would even be okay with that. So, like, it took me until my 30s to even begin to really talk about that stuff. And I kind of have wanted this stuff. I was still very like romantic at times. And like my first serious relationship was monogamous and it was long distance. And I know people like make fun of long distance relationships, but it was very like vulnerable. We communicated about a lot of things. She taught me how to communicate women taking too much emotional labor. But uh, (laughs) at the very end of that relationship, she even offered like an open thing. Oh, wow. And I didn't take it because like, Back then, even though like I think I wanted that, mm-hmm. there's still these rules I thought I had to follow, mm-hmm. and like I realized like I it took me a long time, but like this part of like therapy have led has led me to allow myself to ask for what I want and allow people to give me an exact answer, yes or no, or negotiate things, and it's like I think this is this is I'm a how do I say this? I've gotten here because I've allowed people to hurt me or love me more than I ever used to. So it's like, there's deeper stuff to this. Sometimes you just want to have fun with people, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to like pretend this is all like romance, you know, but it's like, <laughs> but it's also practicing vulnerability and learning to connect with people and like share your stories with people. Yeah, I wouldn't, I, uh, for a lot of people, I think they wouldn't be able to, to kind of do it because they feel like that part of like jealousy and like that part of like kind of, I guess some people feel like they have kind of a possession over like the romantic yeah. partner. How do you deal with that aspect of it? I think, uh, I think part of that is in my earlier answer of like, yeah, allowing, kind of that, yeah. it's, it still feels like danger, at least initially felt very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like who knows what's going to happen, right? Like we could just ruin a good thing. We could ruin, mm. we could ruin this. If we know we love each other. We might ruin this. And I was also like, try not to be like, say I knew what I was doing. I was like, I, I'm owning this risk. And if I feel like an idiot, I'm going to tell people I'm an idiot. You know, like I made mm-hmm. this mistake, but I think it's kind of like accepting that and feeling that out mm-hmm. and then relinquishing some control. Cause it's like, like you said, it's kind of people feel possessive and controlling of these things because sometimes it's not even because you love them. It's because you think there's no more love. You think there's no one else you can love again or no one else can love you like they're loving you. Mm-hmm. And you think whatever you think, it, it gets real personal, but it's like you might think you don't deserve another love. 
and that maybe you thought you tricked this person or maybe you think you're not worth it. You're not worthy. So you kind of control and like hide them from other people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you might love them, but you, you don't, you might not want what's best for them. And that's kind of starts pulling away from love. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm not saying it has to be non-monogamy, but if you really love someone, what if someone was better for them? Like, you know, so people do these things. And if you kind of deconstruct this stuff, it, it kind of forces you to look at yourself. That jealousy isn't the worst thing. Mm-hmm. Keeping someone to yourself when you can't give them what you they need is probably worse. Mm-hmm. And it's also like, yeah, there's been jealousy, but it's also like, you start to realize like, oh, if you can get past that, you might, the next day you might just be like, oh, but what's for lunch? Mm. Like some of it can be very normal. And then also you can, you can realize like, oh, no one else is going to mess this up. I'm going to mess this up. If anyone's going to mess it up, it's going to be me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like no one can get in the way unless you let them get in the way. Right. If you really love somebody, you would work on yourself and you would see what you need to do and see if you guys are even compatible. So a stranger or another person you care about actually wouldn't mess that up. Unless, I mean, yeah, there's exceptions, but you have to allow it to get messed up. You have mm-hmm. to stop being honest. You have to stop being vulnerable. You have to stop communicating. You have to be mean to them and push them away. It's the jealousy is like the smallest detail at a certain point. Because well, it's also kind of that thing of like, if you do all those things too, and they still kind of like feel like they should be with someone else, then that just means you guys obviously, you know, it was it wasn't meant to be, and uh, you'll find somebody who is like will will like gel with you in all those mm-hmm. aspects of like you built yourself up to be a good person for them, and they just weren't feeling it. You have to also kind of be aware of like that's okay too, you know. Sometimes you, you meet people that. You know, you just, just you guys just couldn't work it out, yeah. and then you'll work it out with whoever's next. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think there's that fear definitely of like I won't find somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. And the jealousy just kind of like that fear just kind of really festers, and like it makes people become kind of very uh, dangerous to themselves. Not mm-hmm. in a very like in a violent yeah. way, but dangerous in the in the sense of like maintaining a romantic relation. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So. I'm I'm just kind of more curious. It, so is it would it be like it's an open relationship or no? Yeah, it depends how you define it. So yes. Mm-hmm. That's the simplest answer. Like me defining it as polyamorous, like part of it's part of the just the joke I said because that's what that's what people like will I decided will glom onto for that joke. Mm-hmm. But like I think I'm still figuring out if it's really polyamorous or if it's more non-monogamous. Like, mm. That's still a conversation being had specifically. Um, I think I do kind of want polyamory, but now at a certain point, like, like we were talking about how busy we get by like working, <laughs> mm-hmm. having relationships, friendships, yeah. and doing podcasts. Like mm-hmm. we're yeah. both on a podcast, and we know how much oh. work work it takes. So it's like at a certain point, like yeah, I'm doing this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But then I'm busy, and it's like, if I can't give someone that time, it doesn't matter if I'm non-monogamous or polyamorous. If I don't have time for someone, and they need time, it's not going to happen anyway with someone else for a while, because mm-hmm. it's like, I still have to find someone that's like, oh, yeah, we'll we'll be like ships in the harbor, like, every <laughs> once in a while, you know? Yeah, yeah. totally. Well, well I don't, we'll go ahead, Julie. 
Well, no, because that was like my questions were kind of geared to like your relationship. Because yeah. I know you all actually like make jokes and like talk about your relationship. But my question was going to be like, um, do, does like your partner feel some type of way when you talk about your relationship and like what you guys do? Yeah, um, like the jokes. I think she mm-hmm. found it very funny. She even shared it. <laughs> That's uh, good. <laughs> but like, <laughs> as far as like me dating as of right now, like, well, like. I also want to, I also don't want to fully speak for her, but it's like, as of right now, like she definitely dates other people and I haven't really been dating anyone right now. Anyone serious. I've gone on dates Mm -hmm. and like I've dated, but I don't have someone that's like at at the moment that's sticking around outside of her Mm -hmm. as like a partner or anyone I'm really seriously dating. So she's felt jealous and like, that's the most I'm comfortable. Like, I don't want to like say her part of the story. But it's like, yeah, and then there's moments where, like, I think I feel jealous, like, but my jealousy when, if she's out and I'm, like, exhausted and resting and she's out with somebody, like, I just send her TikToks, you know? (laughs) 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 I was just like, oh, I'm still thinking about you. Like, like, don't assume, like, I'm not thinking about you. I think that's Mm -hmm. kind of my energy, and she even appreciates that. Like, yeah. And how is it, like, telling other people, I guess, about your partner uh like with you if you go on dates with like other people and oh yeah yeah that's interesting yeah like it's pretty candid like i i've made the mistake of trying to date somebody that was curious about this stuff Mm -hmm. but wasn't fully in and it felt like i hurt them like i'll be candid Uh, like like that was one thing that i feel like i messed up on early on yeah like i didn't continue doing that (laughs) <laughs> unless someone's like down with all that mm-hmm. or even specifically identifies with that because if you don't date within that like community you risk hurting people that were just kind of curious or maybe yeah. just liked you and wanted to take a chance right mm-hmm. and so like there's like apps for people like this right of course mm-hmm. like anything <laughs> and uh so like when you date people in the community it's just like very candid and like mm-hmm. some of the most vulnerable authentic conversations I've ever had in dating partly could be cause I'm getting older. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so it's less scary to just tell people who you are and where mm. you are in life, but partly cause it's like, this is alternative and this requires a lot more com- communication than like typical hetero monogamy mm-hmm. because hetero monogamy in my experience, like getting to know who the person is takes like months. Like sometimes yeah. like you're, you're, you're coached into like holding out your crazy back or what your issues are. And it's like, I'm not saying trauma dump on everybody, but it's also like, (laughs) but if they want to feel this out, they have to know where you are and who you are. And on these dates, like I tell them about my partner, I tell them about me and they tell me about their experiences. And I tell them about my experiences. Like I went on this one date where we like really like talked about some heavy ass stuff, but it was like nice. Mm. and it wasn't like overwhelming yeah and and there were some incompatibilities and that was fine and we didn't continue but it's like before dating like this i hadn't really had conversations like that deep before on like a date or two yeah yeah that's interesting because i i feel like your point is like very interesting of like yeah when you're like in a how you said a monogamous a heterosexual relationship it is very much like you're scared to kind of open up yourself and be vulnerable because you're scared that the other person will be like no this is too much for me or like 
um or yeah. like being so open sometimes mm-hmm. is a little fearful because it's kind of like you think that they'll judge you right for like who you are or like the things you like the things you don't like mm-hmm. right um but it's interesting hearing that how like there is already that vulnerability from like the get-go in a way and, and it's and it's kind of like it's I don't know. I'm just like very intrigued on like how that is. I right? feel like I kind of. I guess I kind of. Not that I get it, but I feel like I can see the connection because I guess it's like since you guys are being so open of like you know this would be maybe an open relationship that kind of already bust down a door of like oh like okay so like if I fuck up it's okay because or if I say something weird like it's okay because like we're still gonna maybe see other people so maybe those people like. I don't know how to there, explain it. Yeah, I think you're kind of hitting it of like, there's probably multiple reasons, but they're not betting everything on you. Mm-hmm. They're not putting everything on you to fix them necessarily or to make them feel good only. You're like, hey, maybe I might be weird, but maybe it's like a kind of weird that you like for sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm kind of getting. That's the yeah, vibe yeah. that I'm kind of getting to, yeah. which is like, to me, it sounds so actually like very... uh welcoming actually sounds really welcoming because mm-hmm. it's kind of you're yeah when heterosexual monogamous relationships there is totally that fear of like at least in the first dates right of like oh like i gotta watch what i say because if i say something too much or, or i open up too early yeah. it's gonna scare the other person away mm-hmm. but uh, i mean i'm not not to romanticize i guess po- po- polyamorous relationships yeah, but it's i also like, don't want you to romanticize it either yeah. because it's like i've learned a lot and i've enjoyed it but it's also like whatever issues you have, you're about to run into it over and over multiple times. Like you still have to work on yourself. Like Mm -hmm. for me, it's like, it starts to, it started to feel similar to like doing comedy of like on com doing comedy. You have the same jokes and the same topics and the same things you go over and over and you adjust them. And it's like, when you're dating, who are you? You can't be everything. You are a certain collection of topics and interests so you're going to keep going in with people more vulnerable, more authentic, and they're going to like react a certain way. And they're going to be like, they might even tell you exactly how that felt to them. And eventually you're like, Oh, I was not fully honest in that moment. Like, let me adjust that and correct that moving forward. It's like, you can do that in monogamy and heteronormative, hetero, just regular relationships, regular, you know, <laughs> trying to fight all that. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's not to say this is always what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. It's just I've had experiences like this that were, like, wildly refreshing. But I've also had experiences where they're, like, running away from their partner. And, like, they're not looking for intimacy. I'm partly doing this because I've struggled with intimacy. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, some people, no matter what you choose, you're either going towards a connection or running away from a connection. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what your lifestyle is. You still have your battles to mm. fight you know yeah mm. totally i'm very i'm very um i'm learning a lot <laughs> <laughs> thinking about it i'm like about mm, to talk to your boyfriend you know? <laughs> <laughs> you're no. like you know what we should try something new mm, no. <laughs> wait but so for 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 y'all like y'all already were had already had this relationship or it kind of just developed no it developed it we became like we started dating like right before the pandemic mm-hmm. and we had already like met through alternative means, you know, mm-hmm. but we were like, weren't official, but we ended up liking each other and connecting a lot and mm-hmm. like opening up to each other a lot. And so we, we kind of both defaulted to monogamy still. Mm-hmm. And it's like, 
even though we were both kind of flirting with not being monogamous at first when we were first dating and it eventually opened back up, but it was also like, had to be like a, like a real convert long mm-hmm. conversation and, and everything about those fears yeah. and like, what's going to happen. What if we ruin this? What mm-hmm. if like, what if I don't want this and you do mm-hmm. later and things like that. And so we almost were flirting with non-monogamy and then we chose to just be monogamous because it's like we still had like religious backgrounds mm-hmm. of like this is how you operate yeah. in life mm-hmm. even if you're alternative. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of interesting. That's, that's, that's like crazy because that's something we talked about uh, like two episodes ago about how we all kind of come from religious backgrounds too in, to a certain degree. We all went to private school um, and what you brought up about how like subconsciously it still affects you, right? Like your religious upbringing, like in a lot of things like that. Do you feel like uh, in other aspects of your life beyond like ro- romanticism, do you feel like because you came? Wait, how religious was your family? Um, yeah, very. Um, we, were, we grew up Catholic and uh, like my family went to that church. My My dad, before he passed away, his routine was to always help at the church. Like, he was just some guy that would be, like, kind of a Eucharistic minister. Like, he would help, like, pass the collection plate. He would help clean up and set chairs, all kinds of stuff, right? And, like, he was just some guy at the church but, like, had a huge impact. Like, people would come to him. It was kind of weird. Like, he was so religious for, apparently for my siblings' birthdays, tell you how religious we were, he would, like, be like, oh, come to church and thank God you're still alive for your birthday, and then maybe we'll get you some McDonald's, you know, like <laughs> there's still some McDonald's here and there, but it's like, yeah, yeah. come to church. Thank God you're still here. Your birthday. You have to thank God for Wow, like it was pretty intense. How, how did that affect you? Like growing up? So right now, would you, would you say you're at all even a little bit religious? Uh, I'm not anti-religion. Mm-hmm. I think I'm still like allowing myself to like dip back right now. I'm like, dipping back into maybe any spirituality because mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, this ties into a whole other conversation of like, I was Catholic and at a certain point, like I was losing my religion, you know, mm-hmm. I wasn't anti God, but I was Catholic. I started reading about Buddhism and Islam at like 18. Oh, wow. And like I even did Ramadan, like fasting during oh, Ramadan wow. with some of my friends and like one of my Muslim friends from high school, I went to, I went with his family for, two years in a row to uh, break fast during Eid. And, uh, and uh, it was kind of cool. Like, it's just <laughs> like Mexicans. It just felt like other Mexicans, like <laughs> Mexicans that took their religion more seriously, like, mm-hmm. cause they're Brown and also white and Brown. Yeah. And like, they're very conservative, but also they're like, kind of still like, want to mess, like yeah, party, will, party would be a little yeah. wild. And like it. And then I remember I'd at their house and just watching the office before we went to break fast and then, and it's like, so I was Catholic, I was wearing Buddhist prayer beads, and I was wearing the crescent moon star, <laughs> and I was just yeah. like, obviously conflicted, like mm-hmm. looking for something. And so I, I eventually got to Buddhism, and I was like, oh, I'm just trying to replace this system because I'm terrified. And I didn't like that motivation, so I just stopped all of it. I don't think it was a good answer for me, <laughs> mm-hmm. but like I didn't trust my reasoning for going into all these other religions. 
and belief systems. So I just stopped. That resonates so much with me. I feel like, or at least I feel like it resonates with a lot of like what I see in, in my generation, like people my age, in terms of like how a lot more people are getting into spirituality. Because I feel like some people um, that I knew growing up were very religious and they're kind of like, they're very strongly believing in like, and I'm, this isn't me trying to disrespect their beliefs or anything, but like they believe strongly in like zodiac signs and like, you know, like numerology and stuff like that. And in a way, I feel like that's kind of still trying to find some sort of like stability in the spiritual realm of things. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that resonates a lot with me because I know when I left, like, I guess my religion or well, when we went to private school, and we left. I know I was still kind of at first just trying to be like, ah, oh, like, I don't I don't care about that stuff. Like, I don't care. And then when I got older, it felt like I wanted something like. I just like you said, I needed structure. I needed something that like just kind of guided me. And for me, <laughs> I replaced it with philosophy. Like yeah. at, in college, I just took like a bunch of philosophy classes, and that's kind of was my new, I guess, religion. Uh -huh. And I and in a way, it changed my perspective on a, like most religions. And that's why, me too, I'm not anti-religion either because I see it as though like a lot of these religions are basically teaching kind of a way of living, like philosophy does. Mm -hmm. But you were gonna say, Julie, were you gonna say something? No, oh my bad. I thought you. Were, I thought you had your mouth <laughs> <No>. open. <laughs> Sorry about that. For you? No. Why did I think I? I heard somebody say like a single word, but sorry about that. He's hearing yeah. things. Yeah, <laughs> it's the. <laughs> it's God Spirit's talking to you. It's you're bro, speaking they're bad like, on religion. I know. They're like, like believe in me. Yeah. Did you ever? Do you have that? Do you ever have that fear? Because <gasps> yeah, me and Brandon have talked about how like since we grew up in private school. It's not that we like consciously are like, oh no, we're sinning, like we're gonna go to hell. But do you ever feel like you're doing something and you're like, oh, I feel like I shouldn't be doing this, like I shouldn't be talking about like using God's name in vain or anything? Just an example, right? Yeah, that, not that example, but yeah. like I think subconsciously there's still this part of me like, oh, you're a bad person. Mm. Maybe that's just Catholicism, right? But it's yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> you're a bad person for choosing things you wanted instead of living in this structure mm -hmm. and and that's part of why like it took me a long time it took me like therapy to admit comedy maybe that's part of the reason it took me like to 30 to my 30s to like admit i wanted an alternative relationship style it's like some of that's probably just my personality too but it, that stuff affected me like i was catholic until i was like 19 and by choice at one point so it's like uh I needed a system because I had no, I felt I had no structure and then to be like abandon a structure and still there's this quote. I think it was a Jewish philosopher. I don't know if it was like, don't quote me on the, I don't know if it was Baruch Spinoza or someone, but they're like, give me a child until the age of six and he'll be a Jew for the rest of his life. And that is to say, whatever you raise a child in until the age of six, that will be a huge impact and affect them for like all of their life. Like those formative years will define how you move through the world and how you interpret the world. And yes, you can change that, but that core is still there. Wow. So it's, it's to say that like basically relating it back to what we're talking about, right? It's like, obviously for us, our upbringing, no matter how much we try 
there's always going to be something subconsciously kind of there thinking about how like the Catholic God or like these mm-hmm. like ideas of like heaven and hell, good and bad are always going to kind of be there no matter how much we try to that like feeling. It doesn't have to control you forever. Mm-hmm. You could become more conscious, I think. And I think that's what I've tried to do. You can get past it controlling you. I can be repetitive, but it'll be there. And there'll be these, these twinges of like, I'm a bad person. I'm a sinner. I'm guilty. Uh, I don't deserve grace or love, you know? Like, mm-hmm. there's still that stuff in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, like, conscious of it, but that still echoes in my head, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's still, totally. like, bad mantras, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. It's I totally see embedded it. in us, bro. I know. What do I do? I don't do know. I just oh, yeah. do a bunch of drugs? <laughs> Psychedelics? I think, yeah. I mean, I think, I definitely think you could change. Like, I, I think, uh, I just think it's, it, it kind of testifies to the fact that change is really hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I don't know. It's not gonna happen overnight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when you put it like that, it's like that's like those years. That's that's what made you you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To kind of uru- up uh, uproot you mm-hmm. is like probably takes so much work, so much self awareness, yeah. so much like an impossible amount of work. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, that's why I think it probably lingers. Is because like you probably don't have enough time in the day to even like yeah. you know <laughs> to unlearn your childhood yeah. kind of in a way well because totally. it's for us it's like we grew up on that right we a lot of our holidays are even kind of like on a lot of like being catholic and like doing like you know baby jesus and all these things and all these celebrations and it's kind of like to 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 a certain point it's also like it's your culture right it's like that's mm-hmm. how you grew up that's what you remember as a kid you remember like the stories that your parents would tell you as a kid about like stuff and you were kind of like it's still there and it's still just stuck there because it's those are your memories you know well yeah because I, I guess the, the way i see it is like if you're religious or maybe you go to the, the people in religious school are obviously religious i mean yeah. they dedicate their lives to that you mm-hmm. know there's priests there's nuns uh, there's people who obviously believe that really strongly to me religion is not like for some people it is but for a majority of religious people, it's a way of life. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, this little, like, oh, it's this kind of thing I do. Again, there's, there's, mm-hmm. I, but I'd say, like, if you consider yourself a religious person, yeah, that's an aspect who you are. You know what I mean? Like, like with Catholic school, right? A lot of uh, right from wrong comes from there. You know what I mean? And learning right from wrong, that's a big aspect of who you are. You know what I mean? Like, you see it in, like, in media now. People can't wrap their minds around same-sex marriages i know religious people hearing about a polyamorous like, oh my god you know like he's gonna yeah. burn hell you know what i mean <laughs> like that's that's like that's an aspect of you you know like and you can look at through the entire religion you know that it's a i remember we had this teacher once who was like bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth you know what i mean so people model their their lives around <laughs> this you know what i mean yeah so to when i when you when you deconstruct and you're like oh there's a big core like obviously you know what i mean because they're uh and i'm not saying this to like credit i could but i am I'm, I'm just saying to make the point yeah. that like uh it forms you it forms a person mm-hmm. you know what i mean it 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 shapes who you are how you interact with the world you know uh because there's philosophies there's there's i remember all the like a bunch of the proverbs right there is 
uh, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, there is uh, forgive someone 77 times seven times. You know, all this yeah, shit. Yeah. This, 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 <laughs> I remember all this. You know what I mean? It, he, he remembers it so well. He was remembering it so much better than I do. Right? Well, I don't remember anything. I remember it because I remember uh, <laughs> we do storyboard. I mean, that was it's Catholic school. You know yeah. what I mean? They obviously It's all surrounded. Pro- it's literally like. like it's, <laughs> it's everywhere. Uh, science, math, religion <laughs> class. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, because it was like everything. I remember we would even have. What you were talking about the storyboards? Yeah. I remember we would have to like draw pictures of Jesus and yeah. draw pictures yeah. of the saints and draw pictures of like stories in the Bible. And it's like to be a little kid, it's funny because I remember drawing like my pictures of spongebob and then like all right time to draw jesus (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly you know like that type of stuff is like embedded in you no 100 percent. i remember one time in class we had this project where we had to use geometry shapes to draw a picture i think i drew like iron man i think you drew like deadpool or something like that (laughs) and then like you had to use like squares and shapes and all Mm -hmm. that shit and there was like on the side it was just jesus you know what i mean (laughs) it's kind of funny that juxtaposition you know um, yeah. But, yeah, it's funny because you even see it like kind of going on a tangent. You even see it in memes. Sometimes you see like uh, it's a it's a picture of like superheroes trying to pick up like the cross, yeah. and it's like the Hulk, Superman, Goku, and like these other characters and trying Jesus. to pick it up and they can't. And Jesus is like pretty heavy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. It's um, like uh, that's why. Also, whenever uh, I think religion is such like a hard topic to talk about, sometimes because it's like. For me, I talk about how, like, oh, now I look at those books and I think of them philosophy. But for people who are religious, it's not philosophy. It's just reality. It's yeah. how you were raised. It's their, you know? yeah. Like, it's how you were raised. It's mm-hmm. it's your interaction with the world, you know? I mean, yeah. people vote accordingly. Like, it's not, like, yeah. like I said, it's not this little, like, oh, it's a fun little thing I do. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, for some people, it's, it's who they are, you know yeah. what I mean? It's, like, uh, they make huge life decisions based on it, you know, like marriage, happy. children, uh some people don't get divorced because oh, I don't get divorced in my religion. You know yeah. I mean? I'm not. I'm not saying this to to make the point of what's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Again, I could, but like, I won't go there. But I'm just I'm just exemplifying the fact that these that they're making big yeah. life decisions is based mm-hmm. on it. Like in the thing topics of abortion, you yeah. know, topics of uh, you know tons of things yeah, like yeah. that. You know, so I don't know. That's why it's it's trippy to think about. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah. It is tripping me out. I'm like, damn, it's yeah. it's a lot, which is which is weird because I'm like, I feel like I never, I never saw how embedded religion is with like everything until like recently, where it's like you always hear like people opposing stuff because of like a certain way that God says that it shouldn't be right. Um, so to me, it always mind blew me that it is like that because I always thought it kind of wasn't for some reason. Like I don't know. I really thought it it wasn't so much, but it is. I get it. It's like... No, yeah, like, like um, but even, like, I know I'm kind of being a little harsh, but even, like, like um, good qualities, right? Because that's mm-hmm. kind of what draws people to religion or what they say draws them, right? I remember, uh, what was it? Um, feed the poor because they'll never be hungry in heaven or something like that or mm-hmm. all that stuff. I mean, there's people I know who are like, oh, that's why I participate with the homeless and stuff like that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? This It's... It's interesting because yeah. it's like mm-hmm. uh, there's definitely religion. There is definitely like it makes people do some good things. A hundred percent. I mean, sure. we talk about it. How you've seen people like sometimes they they're drug addicts. They're they're constantly like doing terrible things most of their life, and then they become born again Christians and mm-hmm. turns their entire life around. You know, yeah. so there's a it's there's a purpose on it, 
I just think there's like uh, with anything else, some people kind of use it the wrong way. Yeah. Some people are like, um, you know, they use it to spread hate, which is ironic because it's like <laughs> in the Bible it says I think like love thy neighbor and yeah. like what is it? N- the only person who should judge is God, right? No, in the Bible. I, I remember. Uh, what is it? Uh, you shouldn't throw. <sighs> Uh, let who you was without sin cast the first throne. Uh, yeah, stone, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I think it was. I think the Lord. <laughs> like, Can you define sin again? <laughs> no, yeah. Um, but I guess the way I see it, right, is like wh- how you said. Uh, wh- was it like, um, give me a child till six, and they'll be a Jew for the rest of their lives, right? Um, the way I kind of see it is like when you're a little kid, right? Your right from wrongs come from your parents, your siblings, the world react. But when yeah. you have the religion too. There's that too, which mm-hmm. is why I think it's so like embedded. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Just, it's just how you thought. grew up. Yeah. And I, I, I like what you said in, in a couple episodes about how it also gives you an internal conflict when you, when you do kind of have an upbringing in religion. Cause yeah, like you said, what, who teaches you right and wrong is mainly mom and dad. Mm-hmm. But then you add in the God aspect and it's like, no, 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 don't listen to mom and dad. Listen to God. God is the one who has the answers. So it's like, who's right? Should I listen to mom and dad who are like, I can physically feel or hear and telling me what to do, or this guy who everybody's telling me is or real. The guy who's gonna burn me for eternity <laughs> <laughs> if I don't. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. it's pretty tricky, man. Yeah. But um, I'll power it to you. You know, if if whatever you're following, because I mean, to be religious until you're 19, I think is is even crazier. Because I was, I, would, I I didn't feel like I was religious until I didn't feel like I stopped being religious until I was like 12. Really? I, yeah. I. I tried to be religious at 18, 19, 17, mm. 18, 19. I was losing my religion a lot younger around your age. Mm. I remember going to first communion and being like, I don't know. like <laughs> <laughs> Drinking blood of a body seems kind of a little <laughs> off. I don't know. If this is kind of the right way to go. Yeah. yeah. I guess for me, it was always like, I know that... Like I said, I feel like we got a little lucky with the Catholic school we went to. I feel like, generally speaking, they weren't too crazy. Like, they weren't... They, like, like we're in L.A. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean? Like, very I, like, I remember when I did my confirmation, it wasn't at that church. And, oh, my God, they were, like, like in the comic books. Like, you know, like, they were, like... Uh, <laughs> in the comic books? <laughs> they're they actual, like, like, uh, like, how people tend to think of Christians. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Very... I remember the guy said... I don't know how it came up, but somebody brought up a gay marriage and the guy said um it's not that god has a problem with gay people he has a problem with uh with uh sex that doesn't lead to procreation and by definition gay people cannot have sex that leads to procreation so he doesn't hate gay people he hates that gay people have sex he hates <laughs> gay sex <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> you know um that's kind of funny yeah it is a little funny. god doesn't hate gay people he just hates gay sex <laughs> he just he just that's not what he looks up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not his favorite category. <laughs> yeah. You know? No, yeah, but like just stuff like that or I, I just find it kind of weird cuz like like I don't know. I like for me I was always like I don't agree with so much of the stuff that they say. And to me, I'm again me personally, I don't I don't, yeah, I, I don't You're I don't, not trying to push uh, your yeah, beliefs on I, I, I I'm right? like I don't agree with so much of what they say, you know what I mean? And I feel like they say it so much and it and it seems to like cross borders, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's at this church, it's at this church, it's on TV, this guy says this, I said that. Yeah. And I'm like, at a certain point, I feel like 
And I just can't call myself Catholic then because yeah. it's like I just don't agree with half yeah. the stuff you're saying. You know what I mean? It feels weird to kind of like cherry pick like oh, because I feel like I, I don't I don't think that's wrong to do that. But I guess for me personally, if I'm doing that, then I'm not following that faith then because yeah. I'm not following that rules. It's like if I was playing basketball. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, but I don't like the foul rule and I don't like <laughs> that you can't like. They go out of bounds and shit. At a travel. certain at a certain point, I'm not even playing basketball anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm kind of doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm kind of like, ah, that's why I don't really tend to lean towards religion. But mm-hmm. that's just my little spiel. But yeah. that's mm-hmm. that's what helped push me out. Yeah, is more of that happening? Because I remember mm-hmm. in my church, because when I was trying to stay in and be religious, like I would, I would lecture at my youth mass, and like so, I would read at church, like. Every almost every, every other Sunday or whatever, yeah. Like I, w- I was even so good at it. They, they started driving me to Rancho Cucamonga to read at <laughs> another church because I was so good at it, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but it was still hard for me because I was like, I don't, like, I'm reading this stuff out loud and I don't agree with some of this stuff. Yeah. And there's this like conflict of like, wow, I'm a liar, like I'm a bad person because I don't agree with this, but I'm like, shh, like proselytizing effectively to a, a church and there was this one priest guest priest that came into my church and uh he was like because this was in like 2007 2008 mm-hmm. i think six to the six around there mm-hmm. and he's like younger and he had came to visit our church and he was a guest priest and he's like uh let me feature real quick and he said uh <laughs> Bad joke, didn't land. But uh, <laughs> but uh, he's like, everybody's upset. Our n- people are coming to church less. Our numbers are dwindling. But you guys also don't want to include gay people in your church. And if you want people to keep start coming back, you need to be more accepting. And it was like controversial at my church. Like people were mad. And I was like, I wasn't saying it out loud. I was like, yeah, that's why I want to leave. Because you guys are all mad that like, you're supposed to love people and you're using this as a, like, I get it. Maybe you believe all that stuff. I don't. And I have to sit around you guys and hear you guys. I'm lecturing and you guys are still like, no, push everyone away, but we're still going to complain that people don't come to church anymore. No, definitely. I mean, like, I guess that was also another thing that I always had an issue with is, I went to school. I read the book. Like I, re- I read it. Like I, I, I know my shit. Like I might get some shit wrong, but I remember the commandments, the sacraments, the seven deadly sins, the beatitudes, all that, all that shit, right? And the the main through line, right? Or at least of Jesus, which is their main character, right? It's <laughs> like uh, love everybody, right? Be forgiving. Yeah. Do all this shit. And everywhere I go, it's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They say that until. Love everybody except these guys. Yeah. Uh, be forgiving except to these guys. Um, give to the poor, but not really. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, and again, at a certain point, it's like I, f- I just genuinely feel surrounded by hypocrisy. Like it feels yeah. like a lot of people hide behind religion to keep pushing their their hateful beliefs mm-hmm. or, or pushing their ig- ignorance. It seems like the coward's way to be ignorant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, like I'm just really like deep down, I'm not accepting. I, I low-key don't like gay people. But uh, I'm going to hide behind because God told me to say that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I hate that. I feel yeah. like I just, I really dislike that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like 
I'd almost prefer it if you would just say that that you just believe that. You know what I mean? Instead of constantly saying, "Well, you know, come on, don't mm-hmm. don't attack my religion now." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, bro, I read the book. There's ne- they don't say it once uh, in the book. I don't remember. I remember uh, when we would do children's liturgy, right? Doing the first reading, the Psalms, all that shit. There was never a, a bar that was like. Oh, by the way, fuck gay people, you know what I mean? <laughs> that, that That's not in there, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, for me, is why I was always so soured on it. Because I was like, this is just, I don't know. It just, I, it's hard for me to articulate how yeah. much I feel like it just. No, uh, I, get, I get what you mean, yeah. But I think, I guess, the people who are religious would use the argument of like, well, that's what people do with the religion, but that's not what the religion is, right? That's the argument that I guess somebody would make of like, oh yeah, like there is a lot of people who who do badly and and like uh, oppress people using uh, our God's word, but God doesn't want us to do that. I guess that's the argument that oh, people yeah, would definitely. make. But I guess for me, like kind of going back to it a little bit, it's like the people who believe the religion do that. The people in charge do that. Uh, there was this big. I remember I mentioned it before. I looked up the guy's name. I don't want to get into it, but there, there's a guy. He covered up a bunch of uh, of priests who would molest little kids. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And oh well, they confessed it. That's all cool. Like we don't need to know about that. Yeah. The Pope. It, it was big news that the Pope was like, oh, like uh, maybe we should apologize to gay people. You know what I mean? But it's still kind of a sin. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like at a certain point, it seems like at every level, the people in charge, the believers. Uh, are saying this is what it is you know what i mean and to kind of dance around it and say oh but it's not really because i don't do that you know what i mean it seems like such a cop-out like going back to that basketball analogy it's like if if we're like oh the sport isn't this but like all the players do it all the refs call that the league kind of generally accepts that the The fans fans. love it you know what i mean it's kind of like well then it kind of seems like it's part of the sport at this point you know what i mean like like that's a good analogy yeah Yeah, that's a good analogy but yeah i don't know it's just my little spiel i guess (laughs) (laughs) no that's pretty real um but i hear i know you had a question right or you had a yeah i guess to kind of start wrapping things up i'll finish with a bomb uh (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, maybe you can help me articulate this because i don't know i feel like there's there's a bit of awkwardness and i don't want to not just offend them but i just want to be responsible with the question that i'm asking because i don't want to mislead anybody or anything like that um I was just curious because you're I, i consider you a professional you're a comedian you know what i mean if anybody knows comedy it's probably you you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, uh, I feel as though uh, you mentioned it with like George Lopez, right? Um, uh, and the show, right? Where they kind of they kind of sometimes reinforce like stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Like um, the butt of the joke was that George is ugly, and it made you feel ugly, and you were like, "I don't think he's ugly." You know what I mean? Um, and we get in in comments in reels and stuff like that when we bring up kind of issues, and they'll be like. Mexicans aren't soft. Mexicans will joke about this. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we do that stuff. Um, like, the Edgars. I, I remember on TikTok, right? There was, like, this thing about uh, Mexicans saying slurs. I'm not going to repeat them, but they're yeah, like, yeah. oh, it's because we own them because we, like, you know what I mean? It's funny. We find it funny. Uh, I kind of wanted to get what your opinion on that was. You know what I mean? Because coming from a comedian, how do you feel about that? You know? Yeah, because I think it's still something, like, that kind of is a conversation in my head. There's still part of me that wants to be a little wild on say on stage and be a little reckless, but it's also like, like there's always a context to things and trust I think is always a huge thing. Like I wouldn't 
joke with you guys like I joke with my friends because we're not really friends yet. Like, I really like you guys, yeah. but I'm not going to mm-hmm. be saying likewise, wild likewise. shit to you guys yeah, because yeah. it's like, we're cool and I like you guys, but like, we haven't built, I haven't built trust with you to be like, say crazy shit like that, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's a time and place, like, um, at least amongst friends, right? Um, there's another conversation there, but the same thing and like how we joke, it's like, you don't get to, even someone that said wild stuff, like you don't get to tell people how they get to joke or how they get to take things. Like I still kind of want to take risks, but the way I take, I want to take my risks is like, I want to take ownership of it. If I'm going to take a risk, I'm willing to eat all the criticisms and negativity that comes with it. And it's like, Mexicans are this way or I'm no, I don't, I don't get to really, even if I want to speak for other people and how they need to take things and how they need to be, because it's like people don't deserve that. They already, that's also crazy. <laughs> like in a way it's crazy to tell people who they need to be and how they need to take things and how they need to operate. It's like they got religion for that. We just talked about this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and it's like, you want to find that funny. You want to joke about that. Cool. But if you come to me at work and we're not cool and you say that to me, it's like, you're an asshole. Yeah. Like I, I have a friend where we say wild shit to each other, but guess what? Me and him have been friends since middle school and we trust each other. It's like, I don't go around to just anybody or I don't go on the internet and be like, you're ugly because you're indigenous or you're fat and all this stuff. Because it's like, why would I? Where where is this coming from? Like people like you ever see fat dudes making fun of each other because they're fat? It's like yeah. you're trying to feel better and you're kind of trying to own it, but you're also just trying to shove someone else down so you feel above somebody. Yeah. And it's like I'm not I'm not going to police anybody. I'm not going to play morality police, but like how about you actually look at why you want to do these things to complete strangers? Yeah. I don't know. Did I answer that? Like, I guess, I guess the point I'm trying to get at is like, do you, cause I, I guess the reason I'm kind of dancing around a little bit is I yeah. don't want to suggest that Mexicans or Latino people are the perpetrators of the racism that is given to them. Oh yeah. That's not what I'm trying to say. Oh, I see. I just was curious as to say, is to see what your opinion was is, do you think that kind of like joking about that stuff and, and kind of taking pride out of that? Um, do you think that, that that's like that's really kind of taking it back or do you think that's really a power move or do you think that kind of just i don't know makes yeah. makes racism more casual or makes things more casual yeah you i get think kind of what i'm saying I, yeah now i understand more um i don't know is the simple answer cuz it's like i don't joke about that with people i think i would have in the past but like now that i realize like i've had okay i'll talk about this I used to be much more open to joking about race and color and stuff like that. And I have, and I do with like a friend because there's trust. Right. But like, I used to have a group of friends that were like a lot of Latinos, different shades. And we used to joke about this stuff. And we're like, Oh, it's all just a joke. It's all just a joke. And then that would start including other groups of people. And then eventually like, Oh, this person is racist. Like they've been hiding in plain sight because we just agreed this is all a joke and some of us meant it that way. Mm-hmm. And some people are hiding in plain sight because they are actually very racist. And then if you, and then you 
you feel like some guilt and you feel culpable because you're like, oh, like I'm, I help this like go along. And it's like, that sucks. Like it sucks to have felt like you helped it keep going. Yeah. And I'm not saying like never joke about that, never talk about it, but it's like, you still got to own like if you messed up, if you try to own it. Cause it's like, you can contribute, but you could also like build a friendship that way, but you don't get to push that on somebody. Yeah. I don't know. No, definitely. I mean, I guess kind of just a, a slight uh, continuing on. Um, I kind of want to ask you cause um, I like comedy. I like, uh, I like Norm Macdonald. I like Bill Burr. Um, and I, but I saw this uh, Mark, Mark Maron joke the other day. Um, I'm sure you know that is. Right? Yeah. Uh, and I think it kind of sums up, What's, in my opinion, kind of been going on in comedy? I don't know if your perspective is a little bit different because I'm an outsider and you're an insider. Um, Is it seems like there's this huge, like, anti woke, like, comedians Uh of, like, ah, I can't believe people are so offended at my jokes. Like, people shouldn't be offended or, like, uh, I should be able to joke about whatever I want or, like, it's kind of the same shtick of, like, ah, I should, you know what I mean? How do you feel about that? Like, um, yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think there's some of it where people are just being a contrarian because it's like, don't tell me what to do. And it's like, all right, like, I guess that's like, that can be comedy. That's been comedy at times, but it's like, I hate that like it is framed as woke because it's like some of this stuff exists because it was by whatever definition they're trying to say woke is, was woke was to fight and push against oppressive systems. And Mark Marin specifically has talked about that on his podcast. And it's like, yeah, you can make your anti-woke stuff. And like, I don't even think it's all bad because sometimes you can still have unique nuanced takes, but like some of it is lazy and like buying into that culture war of like, yeah, I'm not going to be told what to do. And it's like, yeah, maybe free, you're kind of saying free speech matters, but it's like, you're also just like what you say is integrity is not really integrity because some of this comedy vaudeville and all this stuff, like it started racist and eventually allowed people from minority groups to push back and push out and have their voices heard. And it's like, you're kind of missing a lot of context in history when you're saying that, in my opinion. No, yeah, definitely. I guess because, like, I don't know. I, I see the same jo- the Roseanne joke where she's like, my pronouns are kiss my ass. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, Beyond lazy. Yeah, jokes like that. Where I, or, um, I mean, I like some of Ricky Gervais' stuff. I like what he did at the Golden Globes, kind of tearing down uh, actors and stuff. But I, I, I kind of disagree with him a little bit when he kind of talks about, like, oh, I should be able to offend you and stuff like that. Because I think, I don't know, I feel like they missed the point. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't. I, and that's the thing. Like, I don't actually fully disagree with him. I think their take is lazy and not nuanced. And it's like, yeah, maybe that's that that's what you want your comedy to do, like draw more attention. But beyond that, it's like you're not doing a you're you, when you get higher up, like you have this energy of like, well, I'm already up here, like I'm just gonna make these jokes and like there's comes from a truth in a place of like not one there's still that that's why sometimes I feel conflicted because they're like free speech and it's like yeah, if you take away free speech, it comes at every it comes at all the minorities too, right? And it's going to silence them too, but it's also 
you still got to own up the fact that you didn't care enough to look at why people are bothered by your take and how there's like no research done about what you're saying. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, like I, I really like the Mark Maron joke. His joke was, uh, uh, he was like impersonating comics. Like, why can't I just say whatever I want? He was like, you mean you, you don't like that there's consequences to your actions? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know. But yeah, that was just more my questions. Just wanted to see what your take was. Yeah. But yeah. I'm more interested in this, like, uh, there's a, there seems to be this this very bad, like, uh, attitude towards, like, this idea of wokeness. And I'm more interested in, like, where it comes from. And I, I don't know if you have the answer to that, but, like, as a comic, I know that's something that, as Brandon brought up, is kind of always being combated. Yeah. What's kind of, like, why do people think wokeness is necessarily a negative thing? Um. Man, you can start a whole other episode on this. But, <laughs> um, where I, I think I stand now, and that's after, like, listening to a lot of people on TikTok and, like, even reading some things. It's like, wokeness is like, first of all, that was that was what black people were saying about their awareness of what they've gone through and their struggles, I think specifically in black America and in America. And it's like, and then you start to twist and be like, oh, this is anti-freedom like freedom or anti-veiled white, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's what, so, and that's what some of these conservative politicians started to say of like, I'm anti-woke. And it's like, there's, they're kind of, mm-hmm. to me, it starts to be a dog whistle. It starts to basically be like, they view wokeness as like an attack on white supremacy and they don't want to say that. Some of these people. I don't want to be someone that plays morality police, but I'm also not someone that's going to avoid this conversation and not going to learn about this conversation. And I've been trying to learn about it. And it's like, these things are like, some of these people are completely unaware that they're fighting in the white supremacy battle. And some people are. And it's like, who's the vampire in the room? I don't know. Some of them are familiars and some of them are vampires. And some of them don't know they're familiars. And it's like, this is a white supremacy thing versus like minority communities, specifically black people sometimes. And that's kind of what I think it is. Just because people of those communities participate in it doesn't mean that this is an anti-minority or anti-black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I, I kept thinking about it, how like, because I know Childish Gambino in, in uh, what's it called? What's the song? His famous song? Uh, one of his biggest songs. Oh, the, the This Is America song? No, no, no. The, the one right before that, the Stay Woke, where he says Stay Woke. Oh, uh, Redbone? Yeah, Redbone. Yeah, yeah. He talks, he, he just mentions it in there to stay woke. And like, I know it's that motion of like, as a minority, be aware of like all these things that are kind of systematically implemented to keep you oppressed. And so what I guess to me has always been mind blowing is when I see the older generation of like our heritage being like, I, I hate these young woke people because first of all, I've never I never knew what woke was until the older generation told me I was woke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, to me, I just felt I was educated and I felt like I needed to let other people know about certain things that I became educated in. Yeah. And uh, yeah, when, uh, just to kind of sorry. To no, go ahead. Go ahead. I really like what you said. And I really like what you said about how it's like this veiled, like uh, being afraid of of losing white supremacy. Because I really dislike. Uh, 
I mean, I don't, I don't dislike it in the sense. I just dislike the way the the connotation it's been given. Yes. Mm-hmm. Of like, oh, anti wokeness, because it, it it it's it seems like you're just saying like anti like stupid or some shit like that. You know what I mean? But like, if you like deconstruct what wokeness is, right? Like, it's just tolerance and education. So you, so these people are upset about people who are tolerant and people who are educated on the history of of their cultures, the history of oppression, the history of uh, of white supremacy. You know what I mean? So when people are like, oh, I'm anti-woke, it's like, you're really anti those things, but yes. you're too much of a coward to say that mm-hmm. I'm anti those things. Yeah, you know? because, and it's also interesting because they'll say they're against these things, and then when they start to be more honest about it, they're like, I'm against like Black Lives Matter, I'm against like this and that, and it's like, sure, there's flawed people in these systems, even in the communities we want to support, but you, you point out some people being flawed and corrupted in our communities and write it all off immediately and it's like black lives matter was proven to be corrupt more recently mm-hmm. but a lot of the other members are gone probably because they were all killed right yeah and then the one yeah. that i don't know if they were put into place was corrupt and it's like mm-hmm. what a metaphor for american colonialism history in latin america and mm-hmm. in, in the caribbean in africa of like you kill off the real opposition and install puppets i don't know that that's what's happening mm-hmm. In Black Lives Matter, I haven't done that. I should not have talked about it if I don't done, did my research. No, <laughs> funny enough, I showed them a video all about what yeah. you were just talking about. Yeah. And it's like, this is this is the mo of our country. This is the mo of our our. It feels dangerous to talk about this stuff mm-hmm. out loud, but it's like this is the mo. You you take out these these groups that like the Black Panthers. You take them out. You corrupt them and write them off. Mm-hmm. And it's like, look at them always corrupt Mm -hmm. and it's like all right no yeah i mean like i i you can kind of see it with uh with like uh the war on i think it's socialism right where they'll be like oh socialism never works uh look at this country and then you look and you find out that uh the the united states uh uh, orchestrated a coup and the the original leaders were all assassinated (laughs) uh and now it's new leaders uh, that they obviously approved of, and that's why socialism doesn't work in that country because yeah. it's not really that. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, totally. I get what you mean when it's like a. It's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, and a result of that is that like then people in our communities, like people who are in the minority community, then they see it as like, oh yeah, then that's bad, mm-hmm. and they get kind of like tricked into kind of also being part of that agenda of like, yeah, like anti- wokeness is bad. Like when in reality, like wokeness is something that's in history kind of helped us you know develop and gain a lot of like rights and put a lot of movements you know a lot of a lot of a lot of what like mlk or like a lot of big like like leaders who fought for civil rights would be deemed as woke yeah you know and i think that's crazy that they did do that and they did villainize it. Like, there's even, like, newspaper clippings about MLK a little bit, like, peaceful protests. It's the same argument mm-hmm. they've been using to, like, dismiss movements because it was flawed at times or because the FBI made it violent mm-hmm. every single time. And it's like, this is a tale as old as time. Mm-hmm. For anyone that's looked into it, or like, you just start to see this is always going to happen. Yeah. Even when people are right, mm-hmm. they get invalidated. Yeah. I mean, you saw it when, like, the protests were happening and then riots started to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where people were like, oh, like, it's people trying to get violent to show that the they're not doing it peacefully. They're actually just rioting. Remember? Because, like, even on the news, they wouldn't call them protests. They would call them riots. 
So it's like they try to twist like everything of like what they're fighting for, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. But that's why that's mainly the reason why I've never, not even I've never, because like I said, I only recently found out about this wokeness mm-hmm. thing until recently, and I was like, I never really liked that the kind of a, a stigma that it's been given because mm-hmm. I I really don't understand how people can be against being like you said educated yeah. and aware of like the history of like mistreatment in the United States. Yeah. Um, and I think it it, it kind of goes back to just like I think people are so used to, or like there's just like a a thing that they've been so used to that they're not like they're not ready for the change, right? They're not ready to like get out of that like how we say like we we tolerate insults, right? And people don't want to get out of that for some reason, where it's kind of like no, we shouldn't be tolerating like being insulted and being called names, like that isn't right, like we should start having a change of like and standing up for ourselves and like being like, this isn't how we should be getting treated. Like Mm -hmm. this isn't how we should be. And it's, and I think it goes back to like, people are just so used to it. They're just like, Mm -hmm. no, like it's fine. Like Mm -hmm. we can tolerate it. Well, people are taught it's like the right way to think about things. So the status quo, you know, you should Mm -hmm. stay the way that's the way things are, you know, like change is bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what like, you know, like kind of what Ricky and Brandon were getting to you know you're kind of taught that that's like something that you shouldn't support yeah um but yeah definitely i mean like uh but like i guess just to kind of echo it i just i hate the like the connotation it's given you know i don't get how the opposition gets to be like you know the chad in the meme you know to be like oh look at how, <laughs> how goofy these guys are you know what mm-hmm. i mean like like because it, it's so hypocritical you know mm-hmm. what i mean they'll be like ah small government but let us track your periods and you can't get married to uh, unless we approve Mm -hmm. uh or like uh freedom of speech but no more pronouns yeah uh you know or (laughs) ban latinx uh, yeah don't say that freedom of speech but like uh, these books uh, don't read them Mm -hmm. you know what i mean or you know it's like what are you even talking i feel like uh, it's just so annoying because it it goes over people's heads that it's just the government or like propaganda and Mm -hmm. white supremacist puppeting Mm -hmm. you know what i mean but what do i know yeah but like you said this could be a whole other episode so i'm gonna (laughs) go ahead and just kind of you know, bring us home. Uh, yeah. This is an amazing episode, amazing conversations. Ricky Thank Mack, thanks for coming on the show. Shout out to Un Poquito Podcast, which is Ricky is a regular and he's a, he's a member of, I shouldn't yeah. even say regular, <laughs> he's a member of um, Amazing Podcast. You guys should totally check it out. They're fucking hilarious. Like, they got some good jokes. You uh, saw Ricky. He's he, hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Ricky's really funny. Check uh, out his stand-up. Uh, they, got, they do shows all the time. You guys should yeah. check that out. If you guys yeah. like our podcast, I'm sure you'll love their podcast. Yeah, you guys yeah. came to our sh- well, our show, our first one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We do, so, yeah. like, if, you, if you're like, oh, what? You know, and, you're, and you want some familiar faces, we have an episode with them, you know? I think we, even, we did a vlog with you guys, too, so. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, definitely. Check their stand-up is funny. Me and my sister went. We... we they had free beer, which is like oh, insane. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it was really good. It was really funny. And check them out. Maybe maybe you'll see us there. Yeah, um, but but uh, um, yeah. Ricky, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at the Ricky Mac on Instagram. Uh, oh, I'm bad at my TikTok. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it should be that uh, the Ricky Mac eighty nine maybe on TikTok. Uh, I'll try to put all the links in the bio. So. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, just go ahead and check that out. But, but yeah, uh, thank you so much for coming, Ricky. Yeah. It was a great conversation. Uh, I hope you come on again. Uh, thank uh, you, and I hope we get to work uh, even more in the future. But uh, thank you guys for watching. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. See you.